0: Seven to eight PM. Sport on with Tabi Somusiya.
1: Good evening. Thank you for joining us on the show as we continue to celebrate our Freedom and Build Up to Freedom Day. My name is Tabiso Mosia, Luyolom Kalipi and Katlachum Mudiba are producing and Babalam Duma is our technical producer. And tonight on the show, we continue our Freedom Month-based theme in line with the SABC's 25 Years of Freedom celebrations. We're looking at historic moments in South African sport. Last night, we had a wonderful and insightful interview with the former sports minister, Mr Ngonde Balfo, who took us on a journey of unity talks pre and post isolation as well as his tenure as sports minister and that podcast for those who missed the show is up on iono.fm or you can find it on our twitter handle at safm radio and uh, tonight then we will look at more historic moments in sport football and athletics to be specific firstly we'll speak to miss blanche moila moila who was the first black female athlete to receive springbok colors in 1984 dubbed the queen of the road as uh, she became a sporting icon who won more than 50 road running cross-country and track races she's held national titles and records over various distances and uh, some of her rivals at the time included none other than the likes of zola bad and Colleen de rook and later sonia lexton and many more so we'll speak to miss blanche Moela to find out more about her running a career and uh, just uh, her historic uh, running career and her historic achievements we'll also find out in football about how some of the country's football stars defied the apartheid system to form an integrated south african 11 that went on to beat argentina there was also a black 11 that played against a touring uh, british uh, team uh, so we will find out more about those uh, matches and in one of the matches apparently the black prince jomo Sono, back in 1976 scored four of the five goals against Argentina there. And then SAFA President uh, Dr. Danny Jordan will also talk to us about the country's readmission and, of course, hosting the FIFA uh, 2010 World Cup here, which is definitely one of South Africa's most historic sporting uh, events and most iconic sporting events. So uh, that's what's coming up on the show tonight. Feel free to call us at any time on 0891-104-207 or send us WhatsApp voice notes on 061-4104-107.
0: Leading sport stories of the day on SAFM.
1: So then, as um, we continue our build-up to Freedom Day, it gives me great pleasure and honour to welcome on the line Miss Blanche Moela, who was the first black female athlete to be awarded Springbok colours back in 1984 under the old government. And uh, as you might be aware, Springbok colours were historically awarded to uh, white individuals at the time. Judging by what we've been well, from what we've been told by the many sporting heroes that we've spoken to on uh, this show, so we're going to find out how was history made in 1984 and how did. Miss Moila get these honours and she joins us uh, on the line. Now, Miss Mo- Blanche, good evening. Thank you very much for finding time to speak to us on SAFM as we celebrate Freedom Month and 25 years of freedom.
2: Um, good evening, um, Tabitha and SA- um, SAFM viewers. Um, thanks for having me.
1: F- firstly, Miss Blanche, what does freedom mean to you? Well,
2: um, yeah, yeah, in a nutshell, well, freedom what fear means to me is basically being um, afforded opportunities of being who I am, uh, mixing with people from diverse communities, and having choices in life um, of what uh, my career should be like. Um, yes, and, and, and just living a healthy, healthy happy life.
1: Now, I mentioned that you made history by being awarded Springbok Colors as the first female black athlete. But I've heard you in one of the interviews saying that you're not the first black, but the first melanin-enriched female athlete. Please expand on that.
2: (laughs) Well, um, there were a lot of men that were awarded uh, Springbok Colors. Um, yes, I was the first yes, you know, black female <laughs> athlete to receive Springbok Colours and I use the term melanin-reached uh, because basically that is what it's about. You either have um, a lot of melanin or sufficient melanin and that basically dictated the social norms of our previous um, government. So yes, I was the first to receive um, Springbok Colours and I accepted them with a lot of responsibility. Um, you know, I thought I'd use that platform to encourage more women from diverse communities to participate in sports, yeah. because there are so many uh, advantages of running and, and, and you know following a healthy lifestyle.
1: And how huge was it to be awarded such a status at the time? And were you shocked? What was your initial reaction? Um,
2: was really surprised, you know, when I, start, I, I started running per chance. Really, um, when I was at school, girls were not encouraged to excel in sport, um, and it, I started running at post um, postgrad, um, mm-hmm. and I was doing um, I was doing my psychiatric nursing block where we ran we had a sports day for um, patients and staff, and uh, one of the doctors. Um, saw me run and he encouraged me to run with him because he was preparing for um, Comrade's Marathon, Dr. Shati Muller. Yes. And as the it was just a chance. So when I started running, um, I didn't know much about all these other awards that might be afforded me. Uh, I was just running because I enjoyed it at the time. So I was really surprised to get um, the colours.
1: Did you have to think twice about accepting the colours because... Some would have said you are selling out because of the system at the time. How did you look at it?
2: Yeah. Actually, you know, that question has come about many a time. And my take on that was the then government was actually saying that we did not deserve to wear those colors. And I was always to prove that on merit we could. We were just as good as any other athlete at the time. And that is what was the driving force because I believe that every sports person deserved those colors and they couldn't dictate to us who was supposed to wear them or not. And I ran so hard so that they had no choice. Uh, I was breaking records. I was set of um, winning titles. They had no choice but to award them. And that was my take at the time. But at the same time, I can understand the other side of the coin, we, there was a group that said, don't run and accept those colours. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated their side of the but that was my take, that I had to prove that we can compete at that level.
1: And and, and at the time in 1984, how were you notified that you will be awarded Springbok Colours? Did you read it in the paper? Did they get in touch with you? How did they make the announcement?
2: Um, actually, there's both. both. Um, I was called, they phoned and informed me that I was awarded um, the Colours, but it also came through the Federation, Mm the Natal Athletic uh, Sports Federation, to inform me that I I was going to be awarded the Springer Colours.
1: And then what did it mean, Miss Blanche? Did it mean that you get to travel with the team? Did it mean that you were representing the country alongside your white counterparts, or did you just get a blazer with Colours?
2: Um, Well, at the time, to be so, um, we were not yet um, affiliated to international athletics as such. We were still barred. So, yes, we received our colors and we competed um, only in South Africa wearing our colors against other teams. Like they had the junior box and they had Mm -hmm. um, the Accela team, which is a corporate team. Um, and so forth. That's, and of course, you got a blazer.
1: And would you say those colors changed your life? Did it change your life? And if so, in what way?
2: Ah, yes. Um, those colors actually did um, change my life in, in lots of ways. And one of them was that now I, I was offered um, sponsorship. Well, in shoe apparel, Nike came on board, ah. which was wonderful. And they assisted me with that. And I was able to use those colors to go to school to motivate children to participate in sport. Um, Also addressing the um, a lot of social ills that uh, affect our communities. Um, The drug problem, the teenage pregnancy problem. And I could go on on, on stage and and try and convince the youth that taking up sport is a better choice. And so I use those colors with lots of responsibility.
1: And we were also looking at some of your pictures from back in the day. You were very noticeable with the turban that you wore, which you still continue to wear. What's the significance of that?
2: <laughs> um, it, the turban, yeah, the failure the of the turban always comes out, And <laughs> it, it's my persona. And uh, I've always said, um, out of Africa, a lot of women wear turbans. So it's not something really unusual, you know. And it is just my persona, and yeah, I still use it in my athletics.
1: And you, 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 you did cross-country, you did track, you did road. Is there anything you preferred uh, more than the other?
2: Um, to be so my forte has always been cross-country. Um, that's where I really excelled. And, yes, I did track and road, but number one is in all cross-country. And I do believe that that is the building block for most um, uh, running uh, because you don't need any special equipment. You can run barefoot and and excel. You don't need much. So the kids in the rural areas, they can run too, Mm -hmm. um, irrespective of their financial uh, problems. Um, so I love cross-country, but right now I love, um, I also do ultra-distance, yes. I do comrades and to oceans, and I'm using it more to support the charities that I can.
1: Oh, that's brilliant! For those who've just joined us, we're catching up with Miss ba- Blanche Moila, who was the the first female black athlete to be awarded Springbok colours back in 1984. Another old government. If you want to weigh in, you can call us on 0891104207, or we you can send a WhatsApp voice note on 0614104107, and we've got one voice note that's come through.
3: Hi, to be sir. could you please ask Miss um, Blanche Moila to share something about her background, her upbringing? And yeah, Um, how is it then that that upbringing actually led her to the position where she's at?
1: Okay, great stuff. Thanks for that voice note. Miss Blanche, did you hear that?
2: Um, could you please repeat it? Yeah, so I tell something about my background. Yes, yeah,
1: so I just wanted to find out more about your background and how did it lead uh, to be where you are right now. You did mention how you were introduced to running, but just more about your background and where you're from, uh, obviously from KZN because you won all those races there.
2: <laughs> um, actually, uh, correction, I was actually born in a place called Petersburg. Well, it's now Pulukwani. Mm. Um, and then I, well, I eventually, well, my formative years were out there. Um, I've never schooled where. I, I left uh, Petersburg in my early years, and then I went to school in Barberton, the Eastern Transvaal, or the then Eastern Transvaal. And my high school was done in Cape Town at Goodall College. And then I did my nursing at care Hospital. But I come from a family of seven, and I'm the youngest. And uh, I come from a very... Um, support a family and my dad I remember my dad used to take us running um, in, in we, we had in a farmyard you know we originally from a farm and we do a lot of running just among the family and um, those are the memories I have of that very very warm uh, family um, meetings and 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 we used to play a lot of uh, indoor games with my parents um, a very, very, as I said, united, warm family. That's how I was brought up. And my family, my parents really, um, um, encouraged us to, to be confident and, and, um, not to be second class citizens as the then government, um, alluded to some of us as. And so when I grew up, I really had that confidence that, I'm okay uh, in my skin and uh, I'm not second best to anybody. And that was because of the confidence my, my parents instilled in us.
1: And how then did you end up in KZN? Because that's where you dominated uh, in, your, in your running.
2: Oh, yes, sorry. Um, after my nursing, I did my nursing college in Cape Town. I, I did my. Early Practical in the Khodeski Hospital. I moved to Kazan, actually, Kaysen, um out of curiosity. Um, that was in 78 or so. I decided, let me go to Kazan and work there and see what it was all about. And I enjoyed it. I loved the, the, the climate. The weather is fantastic. And the people are just so warm. And I am based in Sydney, um, in, in Durban. And this
1: way, it has been home for me since '79. Wow. We're going to continue this conversation after this break. Miss Blanche, if you can just stay with us. For those who've just joined us once again, we're catching up with Miss Blanche Omoila. You can call us on 0891 104 207 or WhatsApp voice notes on 061 4104
0: 107. Hashtag SAFM Sport On.
1: Miss Blanche, before I read some of the questions from Twitter and uh, bring on another voice here, uh, you say in one of your interviews that one of your highlights was being voted Sportswoman of the Year in 1985 ahead of Zola Bad. Why was that?
2: Um, well, I think we voted the Sportswoman of the Year, um, not necessarily just ahead of Zola, but any, any other athlete, you know. It's, it's a big thing, you know, because way back, because of our um, patriarchal society, very few women, um, sportswomen, were recognized in little household names. And, you know, very few were celebrated. So that in itself was a red-letter day for me. There have been lots of other red-letter days, like um, receiving the state um, president's award, um, the ministerial, the G Sport Ministerial Recognition Award recently in 2018. That was mm. another red letter day for me. So these accolades really, um, which is just so special. Mm.
1: And there's also somebody that speaks very highly of you here, Kes Naidu, uh, who works with us at SABC, joins us on the line. Kes, good evening and thanks for joining us on SAFM.
3: Oh, Tavisa, so wonderful to be on the show on the night of uh, the legendary Blanche Moiler. Who, as a young girl, when I was very young, living in Durban, the one sight we saw every single morning when we knew that we'd be late for school is where was Blanche on her running route. That's how you knew whether you were late for school or not. She's a constant uh, joy for us, and I'm so glad to hear her on your show.
1: And which is why you've always felt the need just to recognize her and and honor her with the G-Sport for Girls Awards, Cass?
3: I think it's important that while we look for new talent to honor, like President Ramaphosa spoke about today uh, and a few days uh, he's been chatting about honoring living legends, Um, they keep going every decade and we expect them to keep going. But celebration and recognition is very, very important. And someone like Blanche continues to do incredible community work. So we're not honoring her for what happened in the 1980s. That has been done. We're honoring her for continuing to be a shining light. And Blanche, I honor you tonight on SAFM because, aside from the G Sport Award and that recognition, you continue to be someone that we can call and be an elder in women's sport. And, and we're so lucky to have you. And,
1: and, Kes, do you think she gets the recognition that she deserves?
3: We don't recognize enough. And you remember, we've had this conversation. After no. every G Sport Award, I cry because we cannot honor enough people. And there's so many people that end up losing on the night. So someone like Blanche probably needed to have a stadium named after, a road named after, something like that. But all this takes so much. And I think we don't have enough champions for women's sports. So um, if there is someone in the community that wants to take up these challenges, I think we need to. We can't rely on everyone else to do it. We need to champion our own champions.
1: I know you've said so many kind words to her. You've spoken about her at the awards, but now that she's here with us and with everybody listening, what would you like to say to Blanche, Cas uh,
3: I'd like to say to Blanche, as we celebrate 25 years of democracy in sport, that if it weren't for people like Blanche, we wouldn't have been able to build a bridge between apartheid and unity. Um, it's so easy to celebrate those who championed after 1990s, but it must have been so tough for her to do what she did at the time that she did. And I love her saying, when someone throws lemons at you, make lemonade. That's the best.
1: (laughs) And finally, now that we've got you on the line, who are we honouring this year? When can we start voting? G-Sport, are they open?
3: Yeah, I've been looking at nominations, some beautiful community nominations coming in. This year, we are encouraging the provinces to put forward community champions. We're open in nominations until the 14th of June on gsport.co.za, and um, the plan will roll out, and then the judges will get involved. Uh, But for now, everyone can nominate uh, until the 14th of June across 18 public categories, and we look forward to hearing uh, who the new names are going to be that we'll be championing this year.
1: Great stuff. Kez, thank you for joining us on the line. We appreciate your contribution.
3: Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Take care
1: thank you Ms Blanche back to you I've, I've been at the G-Sport Awards they speak highly of you they always honour you how important are these awards just to celebrate especially ones where we celebrate our women
2: you know, um, you know I'm sitting here and I'm thinking you know Cass uh, Naidu is the one that should be celebrated I mean she steered the G-Sports Award um, acknowledgement of sports women um, in South Africa for their input for their achievements Um and without that platform, we really wouldn't have a lot of women being household names now. So I I really believe that we should have um, celebrations, not just for the people at, um, out there, not for the spot on the set, but people like Cass Nguyen, who are driving this platform. Mm. And, um, you know, a thousand salutations. And we really appreciate that, um, Cass. You are somebody very special, most Sportswomen sports women acknowledge that. Yeah. G-sports is really, really very important in our uh, country.
1: And as we wrap up now, Ms. Blanche, we actually spoke to Kolile Yawa a couple of weeks ago on this show. We were also celebrating his achievements. And uh, he was telling us that a road running was a leveler and united people from all races. Was it integrated at the time that you were running? Did people not uh, worry about what was happening behind the scenes when they were on the road?
2: And the you know, the, the yeah. I'm going to sound a imbi- uh, bit ambivalent here, or um, yeah. The athletes, the sports women and sportsmen were very, very united. You know, um, it was a unifying, it was a leveling. It didn't uh, matter whether you were a, a, a labourer or a scientist. Um, when you're on the road or cross country on track and field, it was your ability in athleticism, that mattered. But, yes, on the side, and you know, it wasn't always kosher. On the side, you did get some remarks now and again. Uh, and that's where my term came out of, you know, they give you lemons, make lemonade, because there were some negative comments from some spectators, not the athletes, but some spectators. Mm-hmm. You know, I would hear somebody say uh, to an athlete behind me, mark Makla, I swat the yo for Bey or something effect. You know, That's and <laughs> nice. at the time I'll just run harder and and, and, uh, and ensure that I stay ahead of uh, that type of thing. But the athletes themselves were wonderful. Mm. And it's just also sad that they were known for a fact there were two young girls who were fantastic, absolutely good athletes, uh, who happened to be melanin deficient. Um, and their parents didn't appreciate my being ahead of them often and forced them to start, to stop running. Wow. And it really said because these are innocent, um, young girls who were running at the time that they had to stop because they couldn't allow this melanin uh, and reached girl to be ahead of them. You know these are the things that you you had but there were very few and far between so um no bitterness we won't lament about them um but yes it was a leveling field
1: and then the last two questions are coming from twitter jack Pacati says i don't know her personally i used to see her at cross and road running events what a humble soul of a mother i listened to some of her interviews and can't find a moral voice more than her Question for her, distance running in both male and female is not up there internationally. What can be done, Ms. Blanche?
2: Well, we are, distance running is on the up and up right now, I mean, especially in women. If you look at we've got at least four women that are running 231s to marathons, yeah. and that is good. Granted, we'd like more of them to do two, uh, sub-230s. Um, I think at the moment we've got about four that have. You know, Rene Calmer has gone under. Uh, Mapaseka, Makanya has got close to 231 or so, if my memory serves me well. Um, no, a little uh, this is driving east on the up and up. Um, and we've just proved it. Recent, uh, the two oceans um, have the stain, came close to breaking a record Um she ran a uh, close to Fritz Fundamentals record. So the goals are really, really um, improving. And um, they can hold them you know, their own against international competition.
1: Finally, what's your take on what Custasimania is going through?
2: Yeah, um, that is very sad because uh, we're talking about somebody with natural uh, ability, um, genetic-wise, biology, and I think... The powers that be in the IWS have um, really, really going about it the wrong way. I know that Canada is not unique. There are so many young girls uh, in Limpopo. There are so many young girls in the rest of Africa that are gifted. And, and But that is not a fault of theirs. They are biologically gifted, and they should be allowed to compete at international um, levels. You know we can go um, on and on and debate uh, about this, but we are talking about natural ability. If competition way back when the Greeks and the, the and the Germans and the Russians all uh, went to the Olympics, they wanted to see who is the quickest, who is the strongest, and and they believed their nationalities were stronger. And we do. We believe the Greeks got the fastest. Africa is the home of different running. We are naturally gifted. So um, it's sad that they they're trying to stop her from doing what she's born to do. She's a fantastic athlete, and we're rooting for her, we're behind her all the way.
1: Definitely. Ms. Blanche, it's been a pleasure and an honor for us to be talking to you on SAFM. We really appreciate your time and the insight and what you've shared with us here. And like somebody says on Twitter, we need to make you famous more than you are right now. But thank you very much for being our guest and uh, for celebrating Freedom Day and Freedom Month with us.
2: Oh, Thanks so much, Sabisa, for having me. Um, I really just love running, and I love the running community. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank
1: you, ma'am. And we wanted to give you that respect that you certainly deserve.
2: Thank
0: you. SAFM, leading the conversation
1: and let's switch our attention to football now by the way if you missed the game this afternoon Sundowns beat chippa United 3-2 to pull level on points with Pirates 50 points each Pirates are ahead on goal difference 3 games left this season it's a thriller indeed and now let's talk about South Africa's readmission to international football many people have told us that South Africa would have challenged some of the top sides in the world had we not been banned uh, to compete internationally because of the apartheid system and Safa so president Mr Danny Jordan joins us on the line now just to Share, uh, some give us some insight here. Mr. President, good evening, sir. Thank you very much for speaking to us here on SAFM. Uh,
0: good evening. Uh, from Dallas, salaam
1: Yes, you're there for the under-17 AFCON. What's your role then? How's yeah. the tournament gone so far, President?
0: Well, I'm the head of the organizing committee and yeah? the president of youth football in Cubs. So I'm uh, overseeing everything that's happening here.
1: Okay, and you happy with how things have gone so far?
0: Yes, uh, of course. Uh, we are now going to the semi-final. Uh, it's Nigeria, uh, Cameroon, Guinea, uh, and Angola from our region is in the semi-final. Uh, so it's uh, Angola versus uh, Cameroon and Guinea and Nigeria in the semi-final.
1: Now, President, we called you to talk about South Africa's readmission and also just South African football pre and post isolation. But we just would like to find out from our guests firstly what does freedom mean to them? For you, Mr. Jordan, what does freedom mean to you?
0: Well, you know, it's, uh, it's something that we, we carried in our hearts. I, when I was at university, I joined SASO uh, at the time, the South African student organization. Uh, of course, led by Steve Beekle and many others who were at the university at the time. Uh, Barney Pichana, who is now a professor. Um, and then uh, those were the struggles that one day, uh, it was not just the right to vote, mm-hmm. but to enjoy a constitution that recognizes the worth of every individual, that every individual has equal value, equal worth in our country, uh, and that opportunity is granted based on uh, <clears throat> the fact that we are all born equal in our country and not based as was at the time on the color of your skin and the whiter the skin, the better it was for your, uh, for you in the country, and the darker your skin, the worse it was in your country and and those are the, the things that translate also in football <clears throat> uh, and uh, that's why. We engaged in a, in a long struggle uh, from the university right in the 70s until 1990, when Madiba walked uh, out of prison. So there's was a long, long struggle where we saw many of our comrades killed. Mm. But uh, it was worth it in the end. Of course, now we have further challenges, uh, the economic emancipation of the majority of our people uh, to create opportunities to create jobs and to create wealth for the majority and not uh, just for a few months so the struggle continues
1: i think mm. and there have been a number of highlights president since readmission but let's start at readmission after freedom was obtained who took the first step to readmit south africa back to the international football fold did it come from us going to fifa or did fifa take the initiative after what they saw what was happening in the country
0: Well, I I think South African football is going a full circle as you refer to the struggle. And the ironic thing is that in 1892, the South African Football Association, SAFA was formed. But that SAFA was was a white body. And that SAFA had in its constitution that only uh, people and players of European descent could be members of SAFA. Uh, And, of course, uh, that racial exclusion, uh, as part of the struggle, we engage in the first isolation of South African sport to get South Africa banned. And uh, it was a long struggle from the 70s. uh, And, of course, Sarkos coined the phrase there can be no normal sport in an abnormal society because the society is abnormal. And um, eventually... Uh, FIFA did then South Africa in 1976 because it was the state of emergency, the white uprising. Uh, and, and FIFA then put two conditions for South Africa's return. Yeah. One, that there must be a single non-racial authority of football, a single football organization. And two, that which was a clear political demand that uh, apartheid must cease in terms of law and policy. And, and in spite of all the attempts that was made to hoodwink uh, uh, FIFA, uh, the African delegates were very firm that apartheid needed to cease. So it was only in 1990 when Mandela was released, and the process to a democratic election was engaged upon that FIFA started to engage us. And uh, IFA hired led a delegation uh, to South Africa, and we met them, uh, in the, what was called the Carlton Hotel mm. in the middle of Johannesburg. And there they agreed to re South Africa. I was then um, part of those who negotiated our return. And of course, uh, it was led by six more hours the uh, then went to, and also Ashwin Tukamji, and FIFA then accepted this in 1992. So we the back as members in 1992. And therefore, our first international match was when we played against um, Cameroon in Devon. Yes, that was our first match, uh, international match. And that's why you see the difference between football and rugby and cricket. They played international sports since the We played only
1: Uh, since Uh, 1993.
0: Sorry, I just wanted
1: to go back. Um, There's a story that I once had that in 1963, South Africa was readmitted to FIFA but was was expelled after proposing to send an all-white team to play at the 66 World Cup. We all know who won that one. And then they wanted to send a black team to play in the 1970 FIFA World (laughs) Cup. Is that correct?
0: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You know, South Africa, or white South Africa, there was then a president called Feral. Um South Africa was a founder member of CAF. Uh, South Africa uh, formed, helped form CAF, and the first thing that happened is that when the first African Cup of Nations was going to be played, now the question of which team are they going to change? They wanted to defend the white team, Mm. Uh, and they didn't want to send a mixed team. Uh, and that was a policy that when the team plays outside the country, they could play against opposition that can include both black and white players. But when it was inside our country, they could only have uh, white players in the team. You may that know that the cancellation of the England picket tour when Baba de Oliveira was included in the England team. And because he was not white, uh, Foster was very clear. Uh, he's not going to allow them to play. Uh, and that triggered further isolation. So um, FIFA also started dealing with this problem, of course. Uh, their proposal to, to play 1966 a white team, and then uh, bl- all-black team was rejected. Because as more and more African countries became independent, uh, they put pressure on FIFA. And when uh, Stanley Rouse came to the end of his term, uh, the then president, Avalanche, made a deal with the Africans to say, if you vote for me as president of FIFA, then I will expel for Africans. So the change really came with, with um, Avalanche mm. as the president, because he is, of course, a Brazilian, and he did not have the affinity that Stanley Around has because he was British, and, of course, South Africa started the British Commonwealth. It's only when he became a republic in 61 that that relationship changed. But, still, we were member of the Commonwealth, and, therefore, there were a lot of sympathies initially of course south africa was actually sitting in the english fa council as a member so there was a long historical relationship between white uh football and english football and that changed two things one the emergence of avalanche as president and two the state of emergency in 1976 and the second state of emergency in 1985 that people could really see uh, the true face of apartheid. Because sport managed to give a human face to a brutal system of apartheid. And those who played and covered the that are the brutal, inhumane face of apartheid uh, through sport, of course, we campaigned against them. And uh, many of those... Um, Eventually changed. And the 1981 in Zealand tour uh, was one of them. The last Ketting uh, tour, cricket tour. The Rebel tour. When we, yeah, those are Rebel tour.
1: Yes, we actually spoke to Mr. Nguyen Balfa Balfour about it yesterday.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was stopped in, in Port Elizabeth uh, with the, the Rebel tour. Uh, because by 1981, South Africa international uh, relationships have virtually dropped to only 21 countries at further relationships internationally. Most of the others had banned. Of course, it started uh, with uh, the international table tennis federation that banned South Africa, and after that, one after the other banned South African sporting teams uh, out of the international federation. And then, of course, finally, FIFA followed and also banned
1: South Africa. Now, with everything you've said, President Denny Jordan, did you ever in your wildest dreams now think that South Africa would host the World Cup on home soil in 2010? During those dark days and everything that you guys went through, did you ever believe that it was possible? Hey, You know, uh, of
0: course, uh, and whether we were at universities or in the street, leading civic organizations, political formations, uh, we always we had to put on a brave face, you know, that uh, you're going to see liberation, but there days that when you see uh, your comrades shot and killed, and uh, you're demoralized, you go home. Um, but very quickly, The the goal of seeing a liberational country was just a dream. And I think for those of us who see uh, Nelson Mandela walk out of prison, see the line of people voting in 1994, uh, see South Africa playing in the World Cup in 1998, playing in the Olympics, and then, of course, uh, the dream of hosting the World Cup. These are just dreams. Of course, it took hard work to make it a reality. But I think our country is blessed that uh, for a country that that just emerged in 1990 to have been embraced by the world and supported and recognized throughout the world for the contribution that we've made in a very, very short uh, space of time. And I think South Africans all over Uh, has made an impact. And of course, uh, we are very happy from a football perspective, that uh, we could make a contribution to the African continent and become the first African country to host the World Cup 104 years after FIFA reform. Uh, and those are great achievements for our country.
1: Definitely. Mr. Mister President, thank you very much for finding time to speak to us all the way from Tanzania just to share your insight and uh, just what freedom mm-hmm. means to you. We really appreciate it and we just wanted you to bring you on and highlight what you've achieved. I know you don't like to talk a lot about yourself, but you've played a very big role and we wanted to give you the respect also that you deserve, sir. No, thank you very much. And uh, it's
0: good that we reflect on... Uh, our own history that we don't forget our history, you know. And um, there are many heroes. Uh, I can think back of, of Steve Biko. We must not forget these names. Mm. And many others. Chris Harney. Uh, the list is endless. I don't want to start mentioning William Mandela, Albertina Fissino, all of is of course, Mandiba. Uh, the list is just endless. And in football, too, this six more hours done um, tremendous amount of work uh, to make that a reality. And uh, I'm mentioning all those who are not with us anymore, but we've made a contribution. But one day we'll have to recognize all of those, those who left us and those who are still alive, uh, for bringing the country where we are now. The new generation must not go and make the country great.
1: Great stuff. Thank you, Mr. President, for joining us on SAFM. Suffer, so President there, Dr. Denny Jordan. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. And we are continuing to find out more about our football history. And I've always heard about a South African Black 11 team that played in the 70s. Nobody seems to remember the exact year. But apparently these guys beat Argentina 5-0. 5-0. Neil, Chisampama. So we thought we should bring in uh, uh, somebody who played in that game. And uh, Kaiser Chiefs legend, Mr. Computer Lamola, joins us on the line. Now, Mr. Lamola, good evening, sir. Thank you very much for speaking to us on SAFM. Yeah, good evening and thanks
0: for having me on your program.
1: We're celebrating our freedom and we're looking at historic moments in South African sport. And we've always been told that if it wasn't for the apartheid system, those South African players that played in the 70s, in the 60s and the 80s would have held their own against the best in the world if we were allowed into the international football scene. Is that something you agree with?
3: I think I
0: share the same sentiment uh, also based on the fact that a number of people who are soccer lovers that I came across, they are singing the very same song that if we were exposed to the international world, we would have had. A World Cup trophy more than once in this country mm. based on the type of players which we had uh, during that era of, of our faith.
1: Now, and, we, uh, yes. yeah, No, sorry, go ahead, sir. Uh, I, I want to say by
0: then we were still uh, very, very strong in terms of our identity or our culture or our style of play which today it's different from what it used to be because truly genuinely i'm saying our style of play it's not inferior it's just that it's unique and it's suitable for us irrespective of what the external world is saying about it but it was best for us and it brought so many friends to the grounds because it had that flair of entertainment as well it wasn't just goals only. Now, let me take a pause.
1: Maybe you should be having some questions. No, I was about to ask you to describe the style of football that you were referring to, but I think you've mentioned it. It had a lot of uh, flair. Now, we've been, always been told about a Black Eleven team that played Argentina. I understand you were part of that team. What can you share with us about some of those games? And even against the British team that had Sir Bobby Charlton
0: listen i uh, i think maybe taking you a back there was a time when we played against a, a fluminense, which is aside from brazil, from brazil because of apartheid we had to go and play them in the social. so for us to be playing them locally it was an an- an excitement so to say uh because previously We never had such opportunities. We also wanted to prove a a point that uh, in spite of all the obstacles or the system that does not allow us to have international games, the potential is there. And uh, I think the score says it all in terms of what we have been capable of doing in the field of play. And... More than that, we also wanted to express the fact that uh, had it not been for this uh, apartheid, we would have made an indelible mark uh, internationally. Uh, So it was a good platform for us to prove a point to to them to say blacks uh, are there or South Africans are there that got the potential of competing internationally.
1: Now, did you really beat Argentina 5-0?
0: Oh, yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> we did.
1: Is that where Jomosono scored four goals? Yeah,
0: I cannot remember vividly, but he scored a number of goals as well. Oh. Uh, the Troublemaker.
1: The Troublemaker. And what about the match against the British that you played? Was, I understand say, Bobby Charlton was part of that team.
0: Oh, oh yes. Uh, the British 11, obviously, it's not players who were playing currently by then, it's retired players but uh, who were still capable of playing were still capable of running we're, you know wh- when they were exposed to our style of play they were saying we more like our approach is more like Mickey Mouse type of an <laughs> approach, we more into entertainment and yet that was our play uh, as blacks which made us tick, because right now, if you make comparisons compared to our era and the current era, it's no longer a question of scoring more goals. It's 2-1 and so on, you know, because Mm. in my view, dribbling, many coaches, they look at it negatively, but when you look at guys like Lionel Messi, we had guys who had that potential, Teenage Ylada, Ace, many, mukopane. In my view, dribbling skills. It, 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 dribbling, it's a, it's like having a key that will open up a tight defense. So we need that element of teamwork and that element of individual play as well. They should both be pursued. But if you say it should be just teamwork, then we become predictable and we become limited. So I'm saying directly or indirectly, players, rather coaches should give players that latitude of self-expression as well.
1: Great stuff. Mr. Lamola. thank you very much for just sharing uh, some, some of those stories with us. We really, really appreciate it. We are out of time, but I'm sure we're going to speak to you again on this show. Thank you, sir.
0: Uh, but thanks once more for having me and good night and God
1: bless. Thank you. God bless you too. The legend there, Mr. Computer Lamola. Kaiser Chief legend, South African football legend there. That's it then for today. I mentioned we are carrying this theme throughout the week, so we'll have more tomorrow as we celebrate the role of our sport in South Africa. And we will actually be joined um, by uh, Judge J- Chief Justice uh, dehang Musineke uh, who's got a great story to tell us about his role in uh, south african sport back in the days in the dark days of apartheid so you don't want to miss our conversation with the chief justice tomorrow quick scores update goalless in cape town cape town city and highlands park also goalless at the fnb stadium between kaiser chiefs and a golden arrows in the apsa premiership sundance 132 if you missed it earlier today and uh, that's it then from us my name is tabiso Musi.